Good evening. Good to see you. After such a beautiful day, uh, we had a couple of hours of torrential rain and phenomenal weather. I'm assuming everybody got the thunder and lightning wherever you're from. And it just reminds us of the Lord, doesn't it? Psalm 29 speaks about the voice of God. And one of the descriptions is that of thunder. (coughs) Though the hymn writer speaks of the coming of the Lord and the trumpet blasting. That day of wonders when there'll be the sound of the trumpet louder than a thousand thunder. So that... That great uh, awakening call will bring to life those that are in the grave. What a day that is to look forward to. We're going to begin, sing 406, more about Jesus would I know, more of his grace (coughs) to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. Tell me more about Jesus.
take your seats. We'll bow together in prayer, commit our meeting to the Lord. Lord, we still our hearts in your presence now in the all-worthy and the precious name of the Savior. It is our desire, as expressed already in this hymn, to know more about the Savior. We pray that this meeting will be such an encounter with Christ, such a, a view of him, that we will learn more about him, and that we will learn things perhaps that we had forgotten about him, and that we will see in him our all in all. He has left us an example to follow. We are to walk in his steps. And so we pray that every passing day in our meditation in the word, as we read about the Savior, whether prophetically in the Old Testament or historically in the New Testament, that we will learn more and more about him. And as a result, that we will be more conformed to the image of Christ. It is as we behold him, like looking in a mirror, and we see the Lord, that we are made more like his image. And we pray that that will be so as we walk in this world, therefore, that the world will see in us something of Christ, that we will reflect his glory, that we will reflect his gospel. Lord, if the gospel is hid to the unbeliever out there, it's hid because we are hiding it. Help us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Thank thee for this week that has been set aside, that we might prepare for the mission, the outreach nights, the distribution of the leaflets, these seasons of prayer as we come to spread the need at the throne of grace. Lord, we pray for the quickening of the Spirit, for a work of the Holy Ghost in our hearts even now. Every hymn that we sing, lead us, Lord, that little bit higher up the mountain with God. Give us new experiences with the Lord. Revive us and refresh us. Send the Holy Spirit to this prayer meeting. Deal with our coldness. Deal with our hardness. Deal with our sinfulness. Oh, wash us, bathe us in the blood of the Lamb and make us clean. And set your church on fire at this time. Coming up to the mission, may we know the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. As we go out to be a witness, as we invite others in, give us power and persuasion with others. And Lord, I want that in the pulpit too. As I plead with men, as I preach the gospel, as I tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Lord, I want the, the Holy Ghost upon my ministry, the power of God in my soul as I preach Christ and him crucified. And Lord, we know when he's lifted, there will be that drawing power that will draw all kinds of men unto Christ. Remember those dear loved ones that we yearn after to be saved. Friends indeed that are out of Christ without a saviour. May this be the time. This mission in Dalriada. May it be the time when they meet with God in the gospel. And are one for the saviour. And so bless us tonight. We have heard the thunder today. The mighty thunder. We have been reminded of the, the voice of God. There's times when God speaks as we know through the still small voice. Like in Elijah's time. But there's other times like the Psalm 29 reminds us that the God of glory thundereth. And it is such a mighty voice that, that breaks the cedar and, and splits that mighty tree. Oh God, we pray that the thundering voice of God will even be heard in these days that will lay the sinner low and bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. 
Hear and answer our prayers this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Is your life a channel of blessing? It's the hymn 515. Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready his service to do? Will you pray tonight? Make me a channel of blessing. Especially this mission time. Let's sing it together.
It's always at this part of the meeting on a Thursday night or any given service, we want to bid you welcome in the Saviour's name, young and old. It's always a thrill to see the young people when they come to a prayer meeting, and we're especially glad to see you and all that are here. Some are listening in on Sermon Audio, Facebook, YouTube, and we bid you welcome as part of this midweek service. Some of you live at a distance, some of you are not well, and you cannot travel out, and some of you possibly are afraid of the thunder and the lightning, and you didn't want to come. But I think it's over. It's over for the night, and it's not coming back. This week is the preparation week for the mission. Monday night, Tuesday night, outreach, giving out the leaflets, and other work has been done through the day as well by others. Wednesday to Friday, the prayer meeting. So there's one more prayer meeting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Remember, Saturday morning, the open air in the centre of the town at 11 a.m. Let's have a good turnout for the preaching of the word. Saturday evening, the Ukrainian baptism service here in this hall at 5 o'clock. And everyone's welcome. And uh, the two young ladies that are with us tonight, Anita and Anastasia, in the will of the Lord, will pass through the waters of baptism and declare their faith in Christ. We look forward to that and we trust that you will have a blessed meeting and those of us who are able to come will rejoice with you. The Lord's Day begins with the early season of prayer, 8 o'clock. Get up on the day that the mission starts and come to the prayer meeting and let's join together at the throne of grace as we plead with God again for the whole day but especially the prayer meeting. Sunday school is at 10.30. Bible class is at a quarter to 11. What every Christian ought to know about the Lord's table and Phil Moffat will be the preacher. Worship service at 12 noon. I'll be preaching a short message. I will be preaching a short message and we'll be leaving plenty of time when we go offline for the testimony of a converted Hindu who will be with us uh, to tell us how the Lord saved him. The gospel mission then begins in Dalriada School at 6.30. And we're sharing this. We're getting it out to as many people as possible. If you see it on Facebook, if you're able to share it on WhatsApp, whatever means you can, get it out there. Invite your friends, invite your family. And everyone do something to bring someone into the meetings. At least one. If you can bring a dozen, that's even better. If you can bring 20 people, that's even better. Uh, Let's have people in for the hearing of the gospel. I want to thank the outreach team for distributing the invitations. We have given out thousands of invitations right here in the town and some areas round about. And we even used the youngest. Some of the young ones were out on the doors and it was a delight that a couple of my grandchildren were out on Tuesday night helping. And today, don't know why she got her eyes closed, but it was good to see young Jemima out up the Finvoy Road and giving out uh, leaflets with her sister Keziah. This is what the Armstrong Hall looks like, and we start here on Sunday night. Let's see if we can get the seats filled, as many of them as possible. The Hebron Tots got back on Monday. We were glad to see so many um, children and parents that were there. I saw the figures, and they've just escaped me to get the exact. Who's going to tell me? Who remembers? I know some of you remember that were there on Monday. How many children and many adults? Forty-three children. 
and 27 adults maybe, somewhere around that. So that was an absolutely fantastic start. And to see these kids gathered in, the various activities done with them. Thank you to the leaders and for the presentation of the gospel to these young children. Sunday school started back again. We showed you this on the Sabbath day, but it is a delight to see on day one a good number of the children back again for this term. These are all the announcements that I need to make just now. We're going to sing another hymn before I bring a little message tonight. It's the hymn 411. I want, dear Lord, a heart that's true and clean, a sunlit heart with not a cloud between. A heart like thine, a heart divine, a heart as white as snow. On me, dear Lord, a heart like this bestow. I've often reminded you that many of the hymns that we sing are expressions of our heart. Indeed, they're prayers to God. And I trust that when you sing a hymn like this and you're, you're singing, I want, I want, that you really desire that, you really want that in your heart. A heart that's true. A heart that's clean. A heart that is like Christ's heart. May that be so in these days. Thank you. Another preparation night for the mission. And we're looking at the same scripture. Indeed, there's one particular phrase that we're emphasizing these nights. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9 and those last four verses Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. 
And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And we're dealing with the subject, the burden of Christ for the lost. And we're singling out the phrase, he was moved with compassion. A phrase that you're familiar with and I trust it will embed itself upon your mind and your soul in these days. As we look to the Saviour, the one that was moved in his day with compassion as he saw the multitudes. We were to prayer. Lord, as we turn to your word for a little time, we pray that the great burden of Christ will become our burden. That the vision of the Saviour when he walked this scene of time will become our vision. That thou wilt enable us to look through the eyes of the Saviour. When we look around us, when we see people, when we see the multitudes. And Lord, we pray that our eyes will affect our heart. That we will be moved inwardly. Indeed, moved with the kind of compassion that Christ was moved with. Hear and answer our prayers. Give me help to bring the message. In Jesus' name, amen. By way of example, last evening I told you about those who had a real passion for the souls of others, the great heroes of the faith in times past. You can see them listed here, Amy Carmichael, Richard Baxter, C.H. Spurgeon, John Wesley, David Brainerd, Professor Smeaton and D.L. Moody. All these individuals and many more besides that I could tell you about tonight were burdened for the lost and the dying. Let me mention some of the great Bible heroes of the faith who had a deep love and concern and burden for those that were lost in sin with the hope that the Spirit of God somehow will come and challenge our hearts through these individuals. You can't read in the Bible as the Bible is given to us by the inspiration of God about such men, such women too, that possess this kind of a burden without being moved in your own heart. I believe that. You should read about the burden of others and see the vision of others. It ought to disturb your soul. Andrew was the earliest example of soul winning during the ministry of Christ. A quiet disciple in the background kind of a person and yet he did a wonderful work for Christ. Particularly he brought his brother Simon Peter to the Savior. You couldn't do better than bring your brother to Christ or your sister who's without the Lord or some other family member. And that's exactly what Andrew did in John chapter 1 and verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, 
We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. That's a wonderful line, isn't it? He brought him to Jesus. I wonder who here tonight is going to bring someone to Jesus at this gospel mission. Some Simon Peter, some brother, some sister, some loved one in the family. You're going to bring them to the Lord. And then we have Philip in the same chapter. Jesus found him, called him to, to follow after him. And he set about bringing his friend to the Lord in verse 45. We'll just read the one verse. Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and in the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Have you got a Nathaniel that's one of your acquaintances? You got a friend that's still outside of Christ? Maybe you've been praying for them for years. Maybe you live right beside them. Maybe you work with them. And they are your friend. They're not saved. Will you bring them to Christ? Will you do what Philip did at this, at this mission? Will you bring your friend to the Savior? Then in John chapter 4, we have the, the woman of Samaria. And of course, she is an outstanding example of soul winning. This poor, wretched, immoral sinner is found by the Savior at Jacob's well. And during the conversation that is held with Christ and this woman, her eyes are enlightened, her heart is brought to understand that standing before her is none other than the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And she comes to drink at the fountain of living waters, never to thirst again. She's wonderfully, gloriously converted to Christ. And she immediately goes back into the city to proclaim Christ to others. That's what she did. And so we have the remarkable account in John 4 and 28, how that she left her water pot, went her way into the city, saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. If you run your eye down to verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And saith unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You can see what's happening here. Through the witness of this woman, who was converted to Jacob's well, running back into the city, telling the people of that city about the Savior, them coming out to where he is. Many of them, a multitude of them, are converted. Some through the testimony that she bore, and some having heard the Lord for themselves. Peter was a great soul winner. We think of the day of Pentecost. We think of how he, standing up in the midst of his brethren, preached Christ and it was all about the cross and the resurrection of the Savior, and that sermon had an effect. Thousands of people were brought to Christ through that sermon. And we think about the encounter that he had with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and subsequently with many Gentiles at Caesarea. And they were brought to the Lord when the Holy Spirit fell upon the congregation that he preached to. A great example of a soul winner. 
And what can I say of the great Apostle Paul? As soon as he was converted in Acts chapter 9, what did he do? He went out and he preached Christ. Preached Jesus that this is the Christ. This is the promised one. And he became a great missionary. A great soul winner. Church planter. And we hear him speak about his own personal burden in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 10. And these words are familiar, but never let them become so familiar that you forget the depth of meaning that's there. There's never a time that I read this, but I'm challenged. And so in Romans chapter 9, he begins, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So the very conscience of Paul is at work here as to the truth that he's about to speak. And the Holy Spirit is also a witness. He doesn't lie. I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been moved like that? Have you ever had this great heaviness and continual sorrow? Sometimes that just happens to us as Christians at mission times. Or maybe special gospel meetings that are organized and we get stirred up a little bit and we, we invite other people in. And just for a little period of time we, we sense in our hearts this great heaviness. And for a few days there's continual sorrow. But the apostle had it all the time. Oh, let's see him. 365 days in the year to have this kind of experience. And what does he say? I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Here's the great apostle to the Gentiles. Here's the man that's going to reach the other nations of the world, but he's speaking about the burden that he had for the Jewish people, people that he was related to, his kinsmen. May that be reflected in us in our day. And what did he do about it? Chapter 10, verse 1, where he said, My heart's desire. My prayer unto God for Israel is that they might be saved. Made it a matter of prayer. And that's what we are about tonight, brethren and sisters, as we come to this prayer time. However, there is no greater example that I could draw your attention to than the blessed Lord Jesus Christ himself. He was the greatest soul winner. He was the greatest prayer warrior. He was the greatest evangelistic preacher. And no one had a burden like the burden of Christ. And we ought to covet after it. We ought to want that burden as far as it lies within us to approach onto that burden. Even as a boy of 12, he speaks these words. I must and there is emphasis here, isn't there, on that word must. I must be about my father's business. I wish that all our 12-year-olds, all our children around that age had this kind of burden to do the father's work, to do the father's business on earth. And then, of course, during his ministry, in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, in the story of the blind man who was healed, Jesus declared, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work. Now you cannot, I'm putting this to you tonight, you cannot read such statements which fell from the lips 
of the God-man when he walked upon this earth without being challenged. Do I feel this way? You want to ask that question. Does this kind of burden reflect my innermost being? Do I possess the, the compulsion spoken of by Jesus Christ? Does my heart throb for perishing souls? Have I a deep desire to win them to Christ? Do I see the Father's business as being part of my business while I dwell here on the earth? Am I like Christ in what he expresses? Can I really say tonight, I must be about my Father's business. I must work the works of him that sent me. Are you feeling like that, dear Christian, at this mission time? I hope we are. Because we ought to feel this way. Why? Because the scripture says we are to walk in the steps of Christ. The closer I get to my Savior, the more I'm going to reflect his virtues and his graces. If I could but lie on the bosom of Christ, as John did, I would feel his heartbeat. And I think the beat of the heart of Christ as it would beat with my heart would be saying to me I must work I must serve what kind of heartbeat did Jesus have well I think it's, it's here in our text tonight here in Matthew chapter 9 if you want to know the heart beat of Christ for sinners study the final verses of Mark or Matthew sorry Matthew chapter 9 and particularly this phrase that we're emphasizing. He was moved with compassion. I want to set before you the compassion of Jesus Christ. I cannot give you a better example. I searched the whole way through the scriptures, all 66 books. And I'm not going to get a better example than the one that we're speaking about tonight. The example of Christ. And if the example of our dear Savior does not reach our hearts and make an impression upon our souls within. I don't know what will. I don't think anything else really could. If, if this doesn't move us some way. The testimony of the great heroes of the faith. Are undoubtedly a great challenge. And I'm often challenged by. These people I've mentioned to you. Last night and tonight. Think of Spurgeon when he said. You cannot stop their dying. But oh that God might help you stop their being damned. You cannot stop the breath. From going out of their bodies. But oh if the gospel. Could but stop their souls. From going down to destruction. And of course. The testimony of the, the soul winning. Bible characters likewise. Has caused me to think. About where I am. As a Christian. In the light of perishing souls. Thinking about what Paul said. I, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience. Also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I great heaviness. Continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse for my brethren, for from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now I'm saying to you, you can't read that and not feel a challenge in your heart. People like Paul and these other examples that I've given to you. But I'm also saying to you tonight that the greatest challenge and the greatest example is Christ. These final verses of Matthew 9 so powerfully and adequately provide a basis for 
my remarks about the Savior, especially this little phrase, he was moved with compassion. Jesus Christ is on the move when you read this chapter. He's traveling from city to city, village to village. We're told that in these verses. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing. That really summarizes the ministry of our Savior. Preaching ministry, teaching ministry, and healing those that were sick. We read that in verse 35. And here in this passage, the gospel writer tells us something about the Savior seeing the multitudes. Every day in his congregations from all parts came the multitudes to hear him preach. They, they flocked, didn't they? In their thousands, round about him, pressing up close to the Lord to catch his every word. No man was so faithful to the souls of perishing sinners than he who came to save them from their sin. No man knew the heart better than he. Indeed knew their sin, their wickedness, their rebellion and their rejection more than he. And no one knew the awful destiny to which they were traveling as fast as their feet could carry them than the God-man who knew all things. And how was Jesus affected by this knowledge? How did he feel in his mighty heart for such poor, lost, hell-deserving souls? Oh, please, please mark the words tonight. He was moved with compassion. The very depths of Christ's innermost being was moved immensely when he saw their spiritual and eternal condition. Now not everyone has moved this way. Not everyone feels this way. Certainly the religious Jewish leaders of that time didn't feel this way. For the Lord speaks in this passage of them having no shepherd. No shepherd to guide them. No shepherd to lead them. No shepherd to point them in the right way. And to make the proper eternal provision, spiritual provision too, for them. They didn't care. Even the disciples were not so visibly moved very often as they viewed the multitudes around them. And I suspect that more than often the attitude of the disciples was one of little concern. Like, you remember the time of the feeding of the 5,000? We certainly studied that in our study in Mark's gospel but if you come back to Matthew and just a few pages over from chapter 9 you come to chapter 14 and the same incident of the feeding of the 5,000 this is what we read in verses 14 and 15 Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them there we have it again moved with compassion this is the Lord this is the Savior. This is our example. Seeing the multitudes, he's moved. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. That they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or food, provision, whatever it might be. Jesus was moved with compassion, but here's the contrast with the disciples, who we have to say had little concern. Send the multitude away. How are we affected at the sight of the multitudes? 
Are we like the scribes and the Pharisees? No concern. But just ask you to sit up, bear with me for a few minutes. I'm asking this question How are we affected? Are you like these religious leaders in the days of Christ? You're sitting in the prayer meeting tonight. We thank you for coming, and I'm sure that shows there's some concern. But I wonder could there be some here tonight? And some others that attend on the Sabbath day. And maybe others that are listening in. And when you see the multitude, you have no concern at all. Or are you like the disciples? There's, there's little concern. And more than often, you just want to send the multitudes away. Or are we like the Savior? And there's deep concern in our heart. Moved. Moved. With compassion. How is it? No concern? Little concern? Or like Christ's deep concern? You know the Greek word that is used here for move with compassion is the strongest word for pity that you have in the Greek language. It describes the compassion which moves a man to the, the deepest depths of his being. This is the word employed by the Holy Spirit, the author of this book, to describe Christ. The, the, the greatest word, the deepest word for compassion, for love, for reaching out. It's used here in the scriptures by the Spirit to describe the Lord. Indeed, Spurgeon said the original word is a very remarkable one because it is not found in classical Greek. It is not found in this Subtuagant. The fact is, it was a word coined by the evangelists themselves. They did not find one in the whole Greek language that suited their purpose and therefore they had to, to make one. Imagine that. They couldn't find a word that was enough, that was suitable enough. You can't find a suitable word in the language that you speak to properly describe the love and compassion of Christ towards sinners. And so you have to make one up that will more accurately convey the depth of feeling and concern which pervaded the loving heart of the Son of God. I want to get to this place, dear child of God, by the grace of God. As far as it lies within me. I could never attain. Not one of us could ever attain. To, unto the compassion of Christ. Never truly feel as, as deeply and genuinely. And as, as lovingly as he did. But it must be my goal. It must be my aspiration. I want to be like him. I'll never be perfect like him. I'll never attain to this compassion that he had. But that's the standard and that's the aim. What do you see? When you're surrounded by the multitudes, what do you feel? Answer it, please. Nothing might be one answer. Indifference might be another. A nuisance. They kind of irritate you. People can irritate you, but you know this multitude, especially if they are rejecting the gospel and rejecting the Lord they just might irritate you somewhat and, and therefore they become a nuisance just send them away 
wonder is you're feeling like the Savior. You see these perishing souls in need of a Redeemer. And consequently, your soul, right in here, is moved. Moved with compassion. The primary emotion in the heart of Christ when he saw the multitudes was compassion. Literally, if you want to take the literal rendering of this word, it's moved in the bowels, right here, deep, right in the very stomach. In other words, the innermost being, something in the depths of your body. It was a profound response that was rooted in our Lord's love for others. Jesus saw their helplessness. He saw their hopelessness. He saw their lostness. And his mighty heart went out towards them. He saw their spiritual misery, their sin, their wickedness, their rebellion. He saw them in the horrible pit, in the Mary clay, and how they were totally unable to climb out of that dire, depraved, undone condition. And Jesus felt for them. Now here's our prayer. Lord, make me like Christ, my Savior. Help me to see through his eyes. Help me to feel in my heart something of what he felt. Take away my indifference. Take away my lack of vision. Take away my my coldness of heart. Give me soul concern for others. Ought to be our prayer tonight. In the light of what we read here, he was moved with compassion. And to say with the hymn writer, I want, dear Lord, a love that feels for all. A deep, strong love that answers every call. A love like thine. A love divine. A love for high and low. On me, dear Lord, a love like this bestow. Let's have a moment's prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to thee in the light of your word. We come as we have viewed our beloved Savior in this one incident. And we read so many times in the scriptures about him being moved with compassion. But we're thinking particularly about here when his eyes lit upon the multitude just at that moment and he was moved in the very depths of his being with love and compassion and his heart went out to these people Lord may that be us at this mission time help us to strive after it help us to be more like the Lord help us to take his example seriously help us to take this message seriously tonight apply it by the power of the Holy Spirit to every heart And help us to pray later on as we come to seek thee for Jesus' sake. Amen. The hymn 504. Call them in. The poor, the wretched. Just as you turn, you're not turning to the hymn. Maybe one or two are. Just as our sister comes to the piano. Uh, There is a leaflet here tonight from the education board. And it's announcing some venues where... Special meetings will take place and it's facts about RSE. And so these meetings will be informative. 
and the dates are all there. And if you can go, some of them are a wee bit of a distance, but if you're able to go to any of them, I'm sure they will be informative to you. Let's sing this hymn together. be broadcasting uh, tomorrow night, just the Thursday night meeting as usual, it's our prayer meeting tomorrow night. I'll be bringing a third message, uh, so if you want to hear it, you've got to be here, and uh, it's on the same theme, he was moved with compassion. And if that compassion grips your heart, if you see something in Christ that's lacking in you, and that really moves you inwardly, then it's going to be manifested in certain ways. And just very quickly, we'll not be preaching long tomorrow night. I want to set before you uh, some of the ways in which we're going to be affected. All right? How that will move us, what we will do. You've been listening to the news and you've heard of more destruction in the land of Ukraine. I think it was last evening 17 people killed in another attack. And so it goes on. We continue to pray for our friends and we pray for their families. 
and those that have gone back that we came to know. We remember the sick before the throne of grace and prayer, each one here. It's been a joy to see John McCauley back with us, able to get to some of these meetings again in fellowship with us. We want you to remember some of the things that were mentioned, the Sunday school, the Bible class, Hebron Tots, the school, Sunbeams, gospel mission to commence on Sunday and the school's ministry. All these things, most of this is now back in operation for the new term. And some of the things have still to commence like the last two. Greatly encouraged by the school's ministry and what's opening up to us. There was a little bit more follow-up work done by Greg and myself this afternoon. He was able to call with some schools physically. I was able to have conversations on the phone and emails with others. And so if you're able to read the list there, which you are, there are 12 schools that are opening up to us in the incoming term. Balamoney Independent Christian School. We go there every Friday, never turned away. William Pingerton Memorial Primary School, Kilcrow, Gary Duff, Lisligan, Laney, Cararea, Kilmoyle, the Eden, the Model, Castle Row, which is new to us, and Balamoney High School. So far, 12 schools, 47 bookings. And as I've mentioned, every Friday in Picks, Balamoni Independent Christian School, on top of that. So this is, I, I have not seen this in almost 27 years being here. Uh, the school's opening in such a way and these opportunities. We've had to knock the door, we've had to press a little bit, but opening up is a great opportunity. So pray as the Lord enables us. I'll come back to this. Last night we asked for anyone who has a request. I'll come back to that when we go off line. But I did suggest to you last night that here are some of the things that we ought to be praying for at this mission time. First and foremost, the glory of God. Whatever we do, even in simple things like eating and drinking, we're to do it to the glory of God and much more this mission. We want God to be glorified. The invitation distribution, all those invitations that have been given out, Talking to a young man that does a lot of missions. You know him, John Weir. Talking to him on Monday morning. And he's doing a mission, I think, in Lima Valley at this present time. But he's out there meeting people, inviting them to come in. Uh, probably thousands of people. But he said, you know, it's just the two or three maybe that you're really going to get. And you have to do all that work just to get the few. And so all the thousands of leaflets have gone out. We pray that God will bring in some of these people. Revival of the saints, conversion of souls, the power of the spirit for this evangelist and for the defeat of Satan. And then we remember those that need the special touch of the Lord. These three individuals, if we were to pick them from the list, Peter, still in hospital, but may get out tomorrow. That's a real answer to prayer. Her sister, Joanne Peden, just in darkness for years now and greatly in need of the touch of the Lord. And Dorothy Blair in hospital in Coleraine. We asked you last night to pray for this little girl, Maruna, whose surgery was postponed. She was to have it today, but the theatre was busy, and so it was not cancelled. It was postponed, hopefully, tomorrow. And this is her just lying in hospital. She'd been there Monday week ago. She was admitted with pneumonia, and she has this surgery 
to take place. There's a little project, just a small one, that maybe, maybe one or two, three people here might want to be involved in, and some other people that usually listen in to us, and I know you have a burden for this, but some time ago, Pastor Emmanuel talked to me about a burden in his heart to try and get some of the, the gypsy children a little bit of education. In fact, he was telling me this week that this was a program they did a number of years ago, and some of those children went on to be very, very successful in life. And I've always felt for many years being in contact with these people who were in a hard place that the only way that their life will be changed will be education and grace. I think they need to be educated, but I think they need to be educated more so in the things of God. And so therefore, his suggestion was to just help for now, like a pilot scheme, 12 children from the four areas where we've been working, his own area in Campina, and then the three other areas where our VBS finished up this year in Chuta, Badila, and Godesht. And he's going to ask the pastors just to, to choose three of the poorest children and yet ones that have potential of learning and get them into school. And he, he has given me a full list of what, what would be needed. But if you add it all together, it's about £250 for the year for each child. And that gets them clothes, shoes. Um, this is maybe bigger. It's very small on my screen. School notebooks, stationery, and spiritual instruction. Somebody will go out into these areas and meet with the children uh, from the church and see how they're getting on and counsel them in the things of God. Uh, those who, who want to do this will receive the child's first name, a photograph, and a quarterly report. So somebody shared, I think it was one of the Ukrainians, shared a story about an American pastor. And it touched my heart. And I'm going to read it to you. Just, just for your information, that's all. An American pastor, Jeremiah Stefik, was dis disguised as a dirty trump. In the morning, he went to preach to a church of 10,000 parishioners where he was to be introduced as the new pastor of the church. He went to the church and 30 minutes before the service, he began to ask for alms. A large percentage of believers entering the church were unhappy with this beggar, standing in front of the church begging for money. He asked the congreg congregants only for a few dollars for food, but no one gave him anything. Think about that, 10,000 people, no one gave him anything. Then he went to church and tried to sit in the front, but the church leaders asked him to sit at the back. He greeted the believers in the church, congratulations, but no one responded to the congratulations and silently passed him. He then sat in the back row of the church. The church service has begun, and immediately one of the people in charge approached the pulpit and said, he was happy to make an important announcement, and now we would like to introduce your pastor, Jeremiah Stefik. People began to applaud and look curiously to find out who the new pastor is. When the beggar sitting at the back stood up and started moving forward towards the pulpit, the applause stopped, and everyone looked at him in amazement. After he stood before them, there was a, a moment of silence, 
And then Jeremiah took the microphone and he read from the gospel. The king will say unto them, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was I wanted to drink and you didn't give me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me not. And you didn't do it to these people. You didn't do it to me. He looked at the members of the church and he said, What happened this morning in your eyes? Many of the believers in the church wept while others bowed their heads in shame. Then the pastor said, Today I see people in church, but I don't see the church of Christ. The world is full of believers, but not followers of Jesus. He was silent, and then he said goodbye. See you all next week. And just the comment, being a Christian is so much more than having a cross around your neck. And being a member of a church, to be a Christian means to follow Christ and to be a disciple. So this was shared in Ukrainian or Russian. And that's at Google Translate. Uh, all right, so I think it conveys uh, the point that was being made. We're coming to our time of prayer. That means we're leaving the audience that are tuning in on the internet. And um, we say good night to you and thank you for joining us and being part of this service.